LegalizeFreedom.com Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Listen without limits. Unchain your brain. Change your thinking. Change your life. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host, Greg Moffat, and my guest today is Eric Wellett, who joins us to discuss his book, Illuminations, the UFO experience as a parapsychological event. Despite the lack of evidence for the existence of extraterrestrial life, most people believe, if they believe anything at all, that ETs probably do exist and likely resemble life on Earth to at least some extent. It is assumed that if we ever encounter aliens, they will come to us or we will go to them via some form of space travel. The desire to believe in ETs is deeply rooted within the collective human psyche causing us to misinterpret or disregard what the evidence is really pointing to. Decades of research and witness accounts strongly suggest that most UFO experiences, whether public or private events, have deep psychological and energetic dimensions significantly shaped by cultural conditioning and pre-existing beliefs. It is also suggested that the timing and precise nature of such events is not accidental and that they may hold within them both meaning and a message. Hello and welcome, Eric, and thank you so much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. Oh, hi, Greg. How are you doing? I'm happy to be on the show today. Thank you, Eric. Today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, subject matter in a book that you published a few years ago. That's entitled Illuminations, the UFO Experience as a Parapsychological Event. Uh, before we dive into that, uh, just tell listeners a little bit about your background and your work in general. All right. I am, um, I am based in Toronto, Canada, originally from Quebec City. So, um, French is my first language. So if you take an accent, don't be surprised. Uh, I have a PhD in sociology and I had an interest in UFO for a long time. And so, uh, I decided to write a book on the topic. It just happened, though, that I work for National Defense. Uh, I'm a professor at our, um, what we call the college, um, of uh, Kenyan Forces College, which is our, actually a, a war college, the equivalent of what you have in Shubhanam in Britain. And um, so my interest in defense and UFO is, is kind of coincidental as, um, because the two have rarely connected together in my life. But um, so I'm a professor, and uh, when I'm not working on UFOs, I'm talk I'm working on more defense-related topics such as uh, information operations, uh, counterinsurgencies, and that kind of stuff. So, how did you get interested in the UFO phenomenon in the first place? Um, for me, it was something I was interested in as a, as a child, it's just through the avenue of science fiction, you know, which leads us to speculate about what might be out there in terms of extraterrestrial life and what it might look like and tying that in with observations of strange phenomena on the earth. But other people come to it because they themselves have a UFO experience. Well, I, I had 
two, two UFO experience, actually, probably one and a half would be a better description. When I was a kid, uh, and it's related in my book, but when I was a kid, um, uh, my older brothers got all excited, and they saw something in the sky, so they got my parents' binoculars, and and some, something very weird. So being much younger than them, I was bugging them to, to get the binoculars, and eventually they gave it to me, and I couldn't see anything. So I was more like a witness of a UFO event than uh, a UFO witness myself. So that's number one. So I kind of uh, piqued my curiosity, I guess, from a very young age. Many years uh, later, um, I'm an adult, I have kids of my own. I was waiting for them uh, in the cold night uh, in, in Canada uh, in the car. My kids were going to some stores. And I saw some strange light in the sky. And it was... a uh, some, for some reason, my attention was really piqued by that light. Although it could have been a, a star, uh, I mean, there was nothing unique about it, but just I was really attracted to it. And eventually it just moved uh, in like an incredible rate of speed and disappeared over the horizons in a few seconds. Uh, that was really odd, and that's something I can't explain. Um, so, so I have some experiences of UFOs. But um, more at another level, I have also an intellectual interest in the sense that the, uh, the nuts and bolts explanations, the explanations that uh, involves uh, aliens visiting the Earth, I found are very unsatisfying. There's no evidence to support that in spite of what, whatever people say. And so I tried to find another explanation, um, and that led me to what is in the book, uh, explanations that are geared towards parapsychology, um, events that are explained uh, from the point of view of human being, kind of influencing their environment. So okay, that's in a nutshell where I'm coming from with this. Yeah, a couple yeah. of uh, things that are really important in there, things worth pointing out. One, briefly, is that um, UFO simply stands for Unidentified Flying Object. Now, People might be thinking, well, yeah, we know that. However, there is constant conflation in uh, the study of this area with UFO and or extraterrestrial or some, you know, off-world craft. UFO simply means something that is in the air, in the sky, and that the viewer can't identify it, doesn't know what it is. doesn't necessarily mean it's got any kind of uh, strange or startling origin. It may have. It may not. So just to, that's one thing that bugs me a little bit is people constantly talking about UFOs and little green men in the same sentence all the time. Parapsychology, for anybody who isn't aware, this is simply the study of psychic phenomena. So ASP, telepathy, precognition, um, telekinesis and all that sort of stuff. And also, you know, anything that would come under the umbrella of um, paranormal, often related to things like uh, near-death experiences, synchronicity, apparitions and all of that. Now, the main thing that your book brings to the table in ufology in trying to understand these phenomena is that often as not we're misapprehending uh, ufo events that is to say coming from uh, the assumption that these things must be solid in in whatever way even if they're lights you know they must be light as we understand it and they must exist in space and time in the same way that we do and as you've already said this is um that there isn't actually evidence for that so we need to find a fresh way of approaching the subject indeed yeah i agree with this uh this uh way of looking at it uh, absolutely 
One thing that persists, you've mentioned already the hard view of the UFO phenomenon. There's a craft that have come from elsewhere in the solar system or even the galaxy. And that these may be, that we're looking at some sort of um, extraterrestrial intelligence behind this. Now, you mentioned that there, there's no evidence for it. Um, however, this is a very persistent belief, and belief is what it is. Uh, so perhaps you could elaborate a little bit more on that, because a lot of people that I speak to about this subject, they say, well, yeah, there is evidence. It's being covered up. Well, that's not evidence. And testimony from people who say, oh, you know, unnamed military insiders who've seen evidence, who've seen bodies, who've seen craft, that still doesn't amount to evidence. That is hearsay. There's two different things. Yes. Uh, um, what is usually called the uh, extraterrestrial hypothesis, so the uh, uh, the uh, ETH, um, for those who are more uh, familiar with the uh, ufology jargon, what is fundamental about this is that it is a materialistic explanation in, in a very basic sense of that word. So you have a craft, so a physical spaceship object that comes to Earth with or without some sort of, of um, biological entities uh, in the, those craft coming to, to the Earth. So that's that's the hypothesis. Well, so if you know a bit about how uh, logic works, then to prove your hypothesis, that your materialistic hypothesis, then you have to bring a materialistic proof. So bring me anything that that can be uh, verified, so a piece of equipment or some organic tissues that could be confirmed by uh, laboratories that are serious and willing to put their reputation on the line to say this is from another world, then that's it. The hypothesis is confirmed and can be declared true. Well, since, uh, let's say, we put the arbitrary time of 1947 with um, the Roswell story, uh, we're way over 70 years, and we still have absolutely nothing physical to show for. Uh, so there's no evidence to support that materialistic hypothesis. Now, like you said, there are rumors, there are people who claim certain things, but they have never had anything to show for. So, therefore, they don't have evidence. Uh, they have only um, comments and, and sometimes completely false stories to, to, to give us. So, yes, it, there's no evidence from that perspective. There's a, a meme or that existed previously as, as a poster in decades gone by with uh, an image of what most people will recognize when somebody says E.T. You know, it's the image of the gray, the, you know, the bulbous head and the big eyes and the slit for a mouth and all the rest of it uh, on, on a poster, now on a meme with I, I want to believe uh, as the caption. And it strikes me that uh, there's a great element here of, of of a desire for there to be something out there, something, as you say, biological, you know, other life that we would recognize in some form and some form of technology and civilization, which would be implied if another you know species elsewhere in the solar system or the galaxy was able to construct craft and travel. That would imply, um, even if hostile, that they were in many ways similar to us. So it seems to be this tremendous desire to believe that there is something out there, despite evidence to the contrary. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence program, for example, has turned up absolutely zero. So what's your take on, on what, what might be behind that impulse, that desire to feel that there, there, there is something out there, there must be, we cannot possibly be alone? 
Yeah, I, the, 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 this question has, uh, needs to be uh, separated in two parts. Is there life, uh, intelligent life in the universe beyond Earth? The, in the answer is probably yes. I mean, it's made of billions of systems which themselves have many potential planets. So it seems to me unlikely that we are the only one in the universe. That being said, the second part, the answer is that could those people uh, or beings um, travel across the vast distance of, of space? That's another one. And, and really, uh, again, because we have no evidence that this happened, then um, I, I think we we need to look somewhere else. Now, for um, uh, providing uh, better answers. Now, uh, one thing that one very important point that you mentioned is that this is a belief system. So people who talk about UFOs, they talk about their beliefs. They believe that we're visited by aliens from another world. And there's a couple of variations about, you know, are they uh, extra dimensionals or are they traveling through some sort of um, um, uh, warp system or etc. It doesn't matter. In the end, it's a belief system and it's a very deeply entrenched one. So if, you, if, if to have a reasonable conversation with, with uh, one of those believer, uh, believers is absolutely a waste of time. Uh, because they stick to their beliefs, and their beliefs obviously meet some psychological needs of them for them, and 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 it's not we cannot have a serious conversations. And one of the thing I discovered is that um, even serious some re serious researchers, uh, we you would think they're open to other ways of thinking about the problem. Uh, in the end, they are just believers, and they're just more sophisticated about it. So. This is a field that has, um, all, I would say, the less evidence you have, the stronger is the beliefs, and, and it becomes very difficult to, to have a, a sound conversation. You mentioned your work connected with uh, the military, and certainly in the early days, I mean, we've had what you would call UFO, UFO phenomena through recorded history. You know, there's been lights in the sky, fires in the sky, strange apparitions and sightings documented in all cultures for thousands of years so that's its own thing um, but in the mind of many people the modern UFO phenomenon is tied in with the military in some way mainly in terms of like a cover-up you know who could actually cover something like this up perhaps it would be the, the military and you know, government complex but in your connections with any of that have you ever had ever had a conversation with anybody uh, either in the military or connected with the military, who said, "Without well, ah, there's something that you don't know. There's something they're not telling you. That, anything that might indicate that there's something else going on." I had the discussions, informal discussions, with a number of people uh, in the military, um, but um, they, uh, I, no, no one told me that there was anything hidden. Uh, the only thing they would say is that some of them seen strange things in the sky, and they did not report it by fear of ridicule, by fear of, of uh, their sanity being questioned, which then will remove their their license for flying. So, um, but there was a fear that um, probably was uh, not very well founded, especially today. I mean, this, today, if, with uh, 
the, the, the nature of the military institutions where uh, anything goes in terms of people having opinions, uh, people having beers now in the military, it's all tolerated. Uh, I don't see any risk of, uh, of, of, of that. Now, people do have opinions. Some people in the military do believe that uh, uh, in the extraterrestrial hypothesis, which is their right, but it, it's just their beliefs. It's not, they don't have any special proof uh, or, or special um, uh, access to any form of, of, of knowledge that would uh, support their beliefs. It's just they believe like that. To, to, to this, uh, like any other citizens of their country. Well, one of the reasons that many people who, who believe that, as say, there are crashed craft and recovered bodies, and uh, you know, where the, the position that you and I are talking about here is false, that we're looking at something that is very real in a three D sense. Uh, one of the reasons that that's uh, suppressed is because the effect it would have on society uh, if there was so called. Uh, disclosure. I don't know if you've ever read Richard Dolan's book, After Disclosure, which it tries to envision, you know, the ripple effects through society if physical aliens and physical craft from elsewhere were revealed to be, you know, whether they manifested themselves uh, in front of us or whether we had just, you know, artifacts that showed that they likely existed, what the societal effects would be. But that seems to be one of the, it's, I call it a thought stopper. Um, because it's used as a way of saying why um, none of the evidence that people claim is there is is actually disclosed, is, is brought before you and I so we can see it for ourselves. Um, but, however, they constantly, there's a whole culture of this in ufology um, about disclosure, and it always seems to be just around the corner. Um, and if you just go and look online now, you, almost every day there's another article published saying, you know, we're just about to, it's just about to happen. Uh, but we're not quite ready for it yet, it's just about to happen. However... This has been, has been going on all my life. And I'm not the oldest person on the planet, but every, all my life that I've been looking at this has been disclosure just about to happen. Oh, I, I, I agree with you. I've, I've, um, the, 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 the impending disclosure that had been lasting for the last 50, 60 years. Yeah, I, I, I'm well aware of that. Uh, the thing is that, 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 um, that thesis that, um, the, the the alleged uh, hidden information is not revealed because the population would not be able to handle it. It's a very self-serving thesis for those who believe in the, in the extraterrestrial hypothesis. But the reality is that um, you have to look at it historically uh, because things have changed over time. Uh, in the 1940s and 50s, there were because there was more radars and more planes in the sky than ever then the strange things in the sky were noticed more often. And guess what? Yes, the military were the only one really equipped to, to, to notice these things. So at first, and especially in the context of the Cold War, the military were worried that the other side, so the Soviet Union, had some sort of um, advanced um, craft that may attack uh, the United States. And of course, you have to remember that in the context of those days, it was not far away from World War II when they had bad uh, encounters with uh, new German technology, so jet fighters and rockets, for instance. So they were in this mindset that maybe the Soviets had bad surprises for us. But the reality is that you come into the 60s, and uh, pretty much all the militaries in the world were had to look into this phenomenon, concluded that, uh, yeah, there are some weird things in the sky, but it, it's very, very elusive, very, it's almost impossible to study. 
And in the end, it's not dangerous. It hasn't been not any uh, serious danger for the um, the national security. So, so the only thing that was really um, problematic is that because the military were the ones who were able to detect uh, these these strange phenomena in the sky, uh, oftentimes with systems that were classified or through military operations, you know, spying on the Soviets. And of, and of course, they did not want to disclose these very dumpdoor issues uh, within the context of the Cold War. So a lot of that material was classified for those reasons, um, not because there's no because of some sort of ominous conspiracy. Uh, it's just uh, the normal life of the military that they protect their their sensing systems. It's nothing new there. And and um, but <clears throat> as times evolve. Um, a lot of the mili- uh, many, many militaries in the world have started to disclose uh, their files and make it open to to um, to the public to to look at them. Uh, the United States is actually the first one with Project Blue Book. Um, I know some people like to poo-poo the Project Blue Book, but they dump uh, and disclassify the whole slew of files, and uh, they were studied uh, by um, uh, ufologists. Uh, and number of books were produced about after that. So, so and and then you know Britain, Canada, and France, and you name it, uh, all disclose what they have. The few stuff that's that's left behind uh, uh, the um, the classified system is because there are still uh, issues of confidentiality and issues of sensing system that people um, don't the the government doesn't want to disclose because not given the advantage to the other side. But all these things are very human and very down-to-earth uh, issues. You mentioned a few moments ago the possibility of these phenomena perhaps having some degree of uh, interdimensionality. Because, of course, there are many layers of reality, uh, most of which are invisible to us. If we think, just even in terms of, of you know, light and sound frequencies, for example, you know, cats and dogs can hear and see more than we can of what's out there. And that begins to take us down a road to approach this a little bit differently. Now, this is to say nothing of the, the possibility of, of our interaction, you know, our psychological interaction with these phenomena and the potential that they are co-created. But very simply, the, the well-accepted idea now that the, the, the reality, the 3D reality that we apprehend with our five senses is only a tiny part of what there actually is. That leaves a lot of room for other areas of, of exploration and possible explanation of of some of these phenomena. Indeed, there, there, there's, it creates rooms for uh, for research uh, and, and developing new hypotheses. But um, in the end, um, the uh, these these multi dimensional realities, in, in the physical sense anyway, remain uh, speculative. Uh, Although there are sound mathematics in quantum physics to to um, support such such uh, reality, but uh, we still have no real ways to to handle these these uh, these hypotheses and to prove them. So it again it's it's a uh, interesting uh, areas of research, but no evidence to support that. Now you cite Carl Jung's work in this area in your book, and um... To me, that's that's probably the most fascinating avenue um, of exploration. Uh, it, you know, the, the, the human psyche, um, whether individually or collectively, and the our interaction with the the reality that appears to be external to us. 
And for a lot of people interested in the UFO phenomenon, this is a tremendous leap, maybe like a bridge too far into an area that they know nothing about, may not be interested in. But for me, this is some of the, as I approach this subject, starting with the purely physical materialist perspective, it was when I hit this uh, depth psychology level of exploration that things started to click into place. Not saying that, I, that we were approaching an explanation per se, but it started to, to resonate, if you see what I mean, uh, in, a, in a meaningful way. As to like feeling that this is something that we should pursue um, as a line of inquiry. Yeah, I, I mean, Carl Jung is probably the first one to uh, put together some explanation that is not of a... Um uh, solely materialistic, uh, um, kind. And, um, I found when I, when I wrote my book, I basically did like I would do with any, uh, research project is to do a review of the literature, all the things that were published on this, and then start to see, okay, where is the evidence? Where's, um, we have something to start to work with. And the thing is that in the case of Jung, um, in um, in his look with um, to the the phenomena from the perspective of um, psychology, we have something to work with, because um, clearly this the phenomenon is linked to uh, issues of perceptions. It's linked to issues of um, how we see ourselves in the context and the society in which we live. And in a lot of his explanations, Jung said that it's the tensions of the, of the Cold War that make people uh, see things um, or give meanings to things they see uh, in a particular dimension. And, and then other people will uh, embrace the same meaning when they see something strange. And that's, that, that's is actually, uh, if you look at, um, at the sociology and, and psychology as disciplines, uh, this is well established that this, this, these dynamics happens all the time. What is special, though, about Jung is that he also was open-minded to uh, the notion of psychic phenomena, uh, especially with this issue of synchronicity, which means that uh, when you have two events that are not connected to one another uh, in terms of caus- causality, so cause and effect, but they are linked together in terms of meaning that something is going on, something special is going on, and that special thing needs to be investigated. And so, um, although in his book about UFOs, Jung is not that very clear about where he stands, he opens the possibility that uh, um, <clears throat> that these phenomena were uh, kind of co-create them. So something maybe mundane happens, or not so mundane, so rare uh, physical and natural phenomena, uh, but we, our attention is attracted to it. Uh, we see it in a way that is probably an hallucination. We have dozens of people having the same hallucination. Here we have a phenomenon of synchronicity, maybe some telepathy mixed into this, and then that makes the phenomenon actually quite interesting to study because now we have a genuine anomaly that has been already studied, so telepathy in that example, and then we have something to start with uh, because telepathy, we don't start from scratch. Uh, 
but if you if you see it as a oh no 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 has to be spaceships from another world driven by aliens that's pure speculation we have nothing to work with uh, we only those who say that only imply their existence but they have nothing to work with well telepathy um, there's extensive research being done uh, and and today even more than in in the days of uh, Jung so we know there's something there and we know we're starting to understand a little bit how it works so if some uh, uh, some uh, events in the UFO world is actually telepathic, then that's something interesting. That's something worth studying. So Jung brings a number of ideas, but also he brings, I would say, a mindset that uh, is more open to look at the phenomenon from uh, quite a different angle. Yeah, you touched upon uh, an idea there that there can be, if you study this, there can be a correlation between events, you know, human events and phenomena in what we sometimes take to be the external world, uh, whether that's on an individual basis, you know, someone going through a, maybe a traumatic phase of their life or a life-threatening physical event. These can sometimes be connected to manifestations that some observers would say, well, hang on, this fits into the UFO camp, you know, the, the spectrum of things that we observe and we say, oh, that's UFO activity. This also can be the case um, collectively, you know, with with uh, mass events, uh, you know, nine eleven, the coronavirus pandemic. These things that energetically affect us can have, you know, these, as I say, what appear to be external uh, ramifications, external manifestations in external events. So that again, the connection between the two, which is recognised now, you know, the the sort of the the mind matter interaction is recognized in science, but it's still poo-pooed quite widely. But, you know, it is an area of research. That, again, lends credence to your, your approach to this and gives us something else to um, consider. When it's like, okay, so we've had this, this these phenomena uh, classed as UFO activity. We don't know what's going on. What's going on in our individual life? What's going on? collectively with the species when these things manifest and then you can begin to track patterns you know there's people who have studied this over time that concludes part one of our interview part two will be available soon in the subscribers area at legalizefreedom.com legalizefreedom.com